0: welcome to cast with your hosts, Greg, Mike, and Richard. Howdy. Hello.
1: What, what are you dropping what, what, what the hell was that? I'm
2: going through my stack you of stuff.
1: Sleepy. Jeez.
2: You're sleeping. In my never formerly stained nicotine can
1: he's, he's playing his Rush Limbaugh impersonation. Okay, Rush. Yeah, Okay, I so
2: tonight we have a... I have a... Uh, I don't want to call it a rebuttal. What's it called when those news guys go on and say their piece?
1: Editorial. Comment,
2: editorial. Commentary. Editorial. I've got a commentary, but uh, what we really are going to talk about is a email from our good friend Jason in San Diego. We read it last. We last did time. read it last week, but we probably should remind those listeners what we're going to talk about. So who wants, yes. to, re- who wants to read this damn thing?
0: All right, I'll read it since you read it last time. Okay, good. All right, you ready? Here we go. It uh, says...
2: Yeah, so I've been ready.
0: Hey, Mike, Greg, and I guess because it seems like he has decided to commit Richard. <laughs> <First> hey, <laughs> I've been here for a year
3: now. <laughs>
1: How
0: thanks long? For being so consistent. Continue. He said a year.
2: Uh, I don't think so, but has go ahead.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, first off, thanks for being so consistent on your shows. I encourage anyone who listens to podcast to give them your support hey maybe they buy a (laughs) t-shirt hey Mm -hmm. someone bought a t-shirt today by the way oh good um uh, anyway i had an idea for a topic and maybe you've covered it before how well do you think disney takes care of its legacy i love the disney treasure dvd and they have announced they are not releasing anymore and really i don't feel they promoted them at all with the mystic of Walt's apartment it has now become part of a tour stop and he gives a link here to check the daily, daily itinerary day four. And he thought Lasseter was going to bring some of this back. And if I hear his story about being a sweeper again, he'll puke. All right. For the Snow White exhibit in DCA, if I hadn't stumbled across the giant line to take your picture with her, I wouldn't even have known it was there. I almost feel like Disney right now is a machine with no face. Do they need one? In the eyes New years, she was all over the place. Who's the face now? Roy Disney? Lasseter? Tony Baxter, Marty Scalar, the crazy guy with the one giant year thing going on, and Shireen Iger, I couldn't even tell you what he looks like. It seems like with the House of Future and DCA's new Main Street being about what Walt saw when he got to Hollywood, the redo of New Orleans Square Dream Suite, they are trying to say, hey, we have a legacy. Are they doing a good job or can it be done better? And he closes by saying, can't wait for West Fest, though I probably can't pull off the drunken botry meet on Friday. I hope you guys will all have, and the thing you sent me cut off.
2: Oh, okay, close enough. (laughs) Have a good, yeah, whatever. Okay, Okay. so I've got two things to say. First, we'll get to that in a second. We talked about, (coughs) oh, excuse me. Uh, (coughs) Man, can't get rid of this cough. Sort of like you got an immune deficiency or something? It's very funny. (laughs) Do you know what that's like? Is that what you're telling me? No, you I don't. You recognize the symptoms right. or something? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, that's we that's we that's talked it. about Small World last last week. Uh, f- some strange coincidence had me doing a doppelganger for imagining my way on. It's a Small World, which will be released sometime in the near future. And it's come up again on the imaginary reblog, re-im, reimagineering blog about the Blair family speaks. And you know, it's written dear Disney executives and then it goes on and on. And it's signed by Kevin Blair, representing Kevin Blair, Donovan Blair, you know, and all the rest of the the damn Blairs. And what I I'm just I'm incensed yes. a little bit about the New language
3: Blair project.
2: Yes, the, the Blair project. There you go. I'm a little incensed with the wording everybody's got a right to state their opinions blah 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 who cares but i think some people forget that walt used to change rides a lot tear things out and change things and they're you know they're they're talking about how her art's being destroyed and i I gotta say that's not true as richard said last week the original art that the attraction was created around is is, it still exists yeah, maybe you could call the physical three-dimension pieces art, but then everything that Disney ever tore out has been art of somebody's. So what makes this one so special? And then, and they, I don't know. It just, it drives me crazy that, you know, they talk about uh, misplaced patriotism is a public relations blunder so big you can run a monorail through it. Uh, That was one thing that I thought is just, you know, full of crap. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't agree with probably some of the changes that are going in there necessarily, but they certainly have the right to do it. And I I just I just can't get over. This is true DFism right here, the way we've defined it on the show. Uh, Disney fundamentalist. Fundamentalist. That you, you can't change it. Well, you know, I'm to the point now where I want to get the bulldozer out and just drive over the whole thing and start fresh, get something new. I mean, if we can't make minor changes, why don't we just bulldoze them down and start over? I just don't get this. Um, well, come on. I mean, in, in a practical sense, why we don't bull, why they don't bulldoze well, them down? Okay, forget the practical sense. I mean, if they can okay. be unpractical practical with statements such as, um, uh, let's see, uh, the Up With America section I do not support as it represents a gross desecration of the ride's original theme and my mother's stylized artwork. Okay, I you know I, I appreciate that it's their mother and all that but what about the the mother of the guy who designed Nature's uh, Mind Train through Nature's Wonderland? That was somebody's mother or somebody's child too and <laughs> their artwork was torn down and disgraced and, and, and desecrated. I mean come on. And, I mean where's it stop?
1: And realistically You know, I was telling the story that Bob Gurr had related on the designing of the facade that we have currently over here at Disneyland. Um, Yeah, there is a style there. A lot of it has been attributed to Mary Blair, but she's not the only one that worked on that attraction. She's not the only designer that worked on that attraction. Yeah, she was the
2: (laughs) the head designer that set the tone, but you're right. That's like saying... Walt Disney, because his name's on everything, did 100% of everything. He inspired people. He gave them direction. She did a lot of the artwork, physically did it, but a lot of other people worked on that attraction too.
1: And I got to say, you know, this is, this Walt always referred to all these different things as shows, just like any film would be a show. And if you ever sat if in a, a design meeting, with a bunch of people that have different ideas and strong, opinion. and Greg, you well, you and Mike both, because Greg, you with your architecture, Mike with with your talking with the uh, different IS people, you sit in any meeting that has a number of people that are working as designers on a particular project. A lot of them will have strong opinions on certain things, and it gets into sometimes slam dunk. You know. Yeah. Could you could uh, you see uh, Mike's meetings?
2: Should we go in or G? <laughs> cat 6 or Cat 5 enhanced? Nah, I think Cat 5 regular will be just fine. <laughs> nah, it's but, Cat 6 now,
0: by the way. Yes, but, I know. Yeah, so the point Rich is making is people are sometimes get wedded to their own ideas. Oh, oh, believe me, and, and, I totally but, understand it, it. And they're but, not but, they're not willing but, to listen but, to somebody else's.
1: What I'm going to say is I'm sure there were a lot of things that Mary Blair had designed into the attraction that did not get in that she Really would have liked to have seen, and vice versa. There's a lot of things that were included in the attraction that Mary Player probably did not want to see go into it well, that well, were added anyways. Well, she is not the sole proprietor t- over the right. attraction, right? Well, we
2: talked about the tower. You know, the tower didn't make it back to the park. Now right. that that I don't remember if that was designed by her or someone. I was thinking it was designed by a guy that I've seen a picture of years ago. You know, in that little movie. They did oh, about going to... I think I
1: remember who it was. and I re- I... Yeah, who
2: cares? It, it didn't make it either. What about his poor artwork? You know, yeah. the, the funny thing, one of the funniest lines in this is a former WED employee... Well, I thought they were cast members, but I am saddened to realize the uh, well, degradation I, I think... of the company's talent and focus in the subsque- subsequent... To- God, why can't I say that word tonight? Decline <laughs> at the Disneyland park itself. I cannot believe someone from WDI was paid to come up with such an idiotic plan like this. You know, and again, just like those things that everybody loves to hate at Epcot, the little uh, Leave a Legacy rock things or whatever they are. Someone was paid to do it, and if you want to keep your job, you do what you get paid to do. You know, if it's if it's such a moral tragedy. Uh, or you're so conflicted over changing it's a small world, then I guess you might as well get a job somewhere else.
1: Well, you know, and I'm sure I know I've been in there in a position where there was a thing where yeah, I actually had to question if I was gonna do it and I had to walk away from a job or two. But oh,
2: is that the new excuse? No just kidding. Um
1: So <clears throat> I'm let's, just saying, yeah, if you're if you're gonna stay in it in the long run, you you're right. You either do the job that you've been commissioned to do or somebody else will get paid to do the job right right
2: so let's move on off of that is i just i i just had to let that out because i i, I understand the feeling of you know if i was to see something my my dad made destroyed i, I would probably be somewhat interested in, in fact i think if i was the mary blair family i'd say hey you know before you take it out can we get that you know if you're going to take out the jungle scene or the yeah. rainforest maybe we would we'd like to have it as sentimental value that's sure. probably what i'd be doing
1: um, you know I have talked to a couple people that have been working on the project and since we had our discussion last week on this and to find out, is this really what's going on? And they said, yeah, this is actually really going on. This is going into some of the discussions and they described some of the stuff that they were talking about adding. And I'm really not all that certain it's going to be detracting from the attraction.
2: Well, you know, again, we got to insert Disney characters everywhere we can, but let's, let's move on and get to something else. And, this will probably come up again when the, tra- the attraction reopens, and we'll go from there. Oh yeah, but <laughs> you know, Earl first- Earl yeah. made a good point on when he chimed in about Florida's. Just because it's down for the year, a year doesn't mean it's getting some great makeover. In Florida, it had not been had a, I guess, a large or major rehab for some time. Everything got painted. Everybody got a new costume. Uh, you know, they added uh, kind of a miniature version of our exterior in the, inside of the boat loading area. Uh, and it looks like a pristine, clean attraction again. Nothing major really changed other than the digital. I think they digitized the soundtrack or put in a new speaker system, whatever they did there. Um, the average person going in and out probably wouldn't have known the difference. So it closed for a year, but nothing major really happened other than bringing it up to the standard it probably should have been in for a long That's- time.
1: That's what I've been describing with the, what's going on in the world and what's described to me, except for this little part that we talked about. When you go in there, you're not going to really notice anything that's been done. The most thing, the stuff that's being done in there is on an operational issues. It's to make things easier to take care of, easier to operate, make it easier for us. But on the show aspect, it's going to be the same show you've always remembered.
2: And by the way, Richard, I know you rarely go to the boards. You're kind of like Bob from Beyond Main Street, you never gets to Main the street. boards. Um
1: yeah, I don't have time for these things. But I'm Mike, sorry. I'm
2: know, the give me a break. Mike got his hands smacked uh, by Earl for oh, mistyping It's yes. <laughs> a Small World, which is all in uh, lowercase. or lowercase, capitalized. Yes. Uh, uh, so I, I thought that was funny that he pointed that out. I kind of noticed it, but to me, it's not a big deal Upper lowercase. I could really give a rat's ass about it anyway. I
0: explained my, I explained my thinking. Yeah, I know
2: you did. But- okay, So moving up, people can go to the threads and read it. For those who don't go to the forums, now you have an excuse to go. I found something interesting this last weekend. before we get to our topic that I thought the general public out there might find interesting also, because I recently got an email that said, what happened to your Knott's Berry Farm show? And I responded back that we just haven't coordinated the time because we actually want to go out to Knott's Berry Farm and do the show there. We just haven't coordinated yet, and I know a galactic hero from the boards, uh, Jimmy, would like to go with us because he practically uh, grew up in the park also. Uh, I took my 96-year-old grandmother to breakfast at the Knott's uh, chicken dinner restaurant, breakfast at the chicken dinner restaurant, and they have these little knots through the years, you know, 1923 through, through 2007. I just found a bit of tidbit of information <coughs> that's Disney-related that I, I don't think well, it could wait for our not show, but I want to do it now. It's got this little blurb about 1955, so I, my eyes kind of jumped to it. And it said Walter and Cordelia attend July 17 opening ceremonies of Disneyland, and return to find the farm parking lot filled to capacity. Despite rumors to the contrary, Knott's Berry Farm continued to thrive, enjoying its best year ever. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was that was pretty interesting because uh, on that other show of mine, Imagining My Way, I did a sh- uh, a little piece on the Pacific Ocean Park, which was built to be a direct competition to Disneyland and actually, for a few years, outdid Disneyland on daily attendance. The whole story of why it didn't make it in the long run, don't want to go into now, but it actually was beating well, Disneyland <laughs> for a while. The roller coaster said people plunging to their death. Oh that's just a minor <laughs> bump in the road that might have something to do with
0: it.
2: <laughs> now what what a lot of people hey. don't in, realize with knots here's the kind of interesting thing you know their their first ride went in nineteen sixty that was a calico mine ride. They didn't get another ride until nineteen sixty nine which was the log oh. ride, but they didn't start charging attendance until 1968 in 1968 the amusement park is enclosed and a general admission fee is charged for the first time so it had been operating with a quote-unquote theme park since about 1952 because in 1952 Walt bought the last operating narrow gauge railroad the Denver and Rio Grande and he moved it entirely it's Walt, the North not. Very I,
1: not Walt Disney did I? Not. Yes. oh, Walt, oh thank not. you thank you
2: I'm yes I knew that but maybe not everybody else did good good catch Richard in 1954 they built a birch cage theater which is a, a replica of the one from Tombstone and they've got their whole calico ghost town thing going on it's all free it's to entertain people while they're, they're standing Wait. in line to get a chicken jelly. dinner <laughs> Or jelly, and you know, he invented the boys and berry, blah, 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 blah.
1: No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. he did not invent the boys and berry.
2: According That's... to the company Shill paperwork here, he did, and I will tell you, and then if you want to go off and do your Google search, you can do that. Nope, nope, um, I'm
1: doing a search, I'm doing a uh, look for my script. Right Walter here.
2: Knott begins propagating a new berry, a curious cross between the red raspberry blackberry and longberry he names it boysenberry in honor of his friend rudolph boysen
1: who is the actual creator of the boysenberry rudolph boysen was the oh here's my script rudolph boysen was the chief park superintendent for the city of anaheim and he created
2: oh no wonder you know this because you've been doing that anna slime video for what the <laughs> yes. last two or three years
1: and, he's, and yeah. he had been working on it, and he brought it to his friend Walter Knott, because they were good friends, because everything was agriculture out here in those days. And Walter Knott went on to uh, grow it and market it. And mm. Walter, so
2: that would be the propagating part. Since That these, would be
1: the propagating part. But the since this other guy
2: it, had no idea how to propagate, and you know a good propagator is hard to find uh, he managed to get it to work and coined the phrase of the boysenberry and made it famous while this other guy probably went on to leave a pulper's life and get no money right
1: no actually uh, <laughs> he had a very good life he enjoyed his life as park superintendent who uh, are he, he enjoyed his life as park superintendent for the uh, city of Anaheim he had a number okay. of great there. I
2: actually looked up I, propagating because I wasn't exactly sure what it meant, but it says breed specimens of plant, animals, etc. by natural process from the parent stock. So he definitely had a big deal in making the boysenberry what it is today. And personally, I can't stand a boysenberry, but
1: I like them. They're yeah. good. Really? Good
2: for you. I think they're tasty. I yeah. smelled so much boysenberry drink. I could puke uh, when I worked there. <laughs> so. See, that's what it is. It's a food aversion for working yeah, with that it. That could because be. Of- Working, working over there. For we so we years. almost did a project for a guy to do this plant where they were gonna do food processing, and he was describing the plant that made um, what's those kind of long sticks? They they got the character. Of the guy, his hair is all full of these. Uh, they're like um, they're kind of like a um, like a long thin sausage or a uh, beef jerky. But okay, yeah. You know Slim what I'm talking about? Slim Jims.
1: Slim Jims, okay. He
2: gets ill every time he thinks of Slim Jims because not only what it goes in it, what the plant smelled like, and I don't it know what was I like disgusting. Literally you know, disgusting when he described it to me. I'm it, like, there's no way I'm even going close to one of those things. And I have never really liked them, but... Oh my god! That's
1: like my daughter was asking tonight when I was fixing uh, dinner. She goes, "What what did they make sausage with?" And I told her that's one of those questions you never ask. You don't want to know because if you do, you can't eat it.
2: Well, yeah, and he was saying, you know what goes into your can of Hormel chili?
1: I don't want to know. Pretty <laughs> much all
2: right. the meat that was left over from everything else. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, being reminded. <laughs> I'm being reminded of the movie
0: Dragnet. Oh yeah. Do you know what falls into the industrial sausage press? <laughs> Not including, not excluding rodent hair and bug excrement. Yeah. Uh,
2: one of the all-time great lines could all could only be pulled off by Dan Aykroyd. Okay, so let, let's get back to our email. Actually, that, hey, Tom Hanks <laughs> is the one who said that. Did he? Said, Dan oh, that's right, because Dan Aykroyd. Like the chili dog, you're right. I yeah. got that backwards. It seems like it should be a Dan Aykroyd line, but he looks at it and goes, "I hate you." Yeah, I hate you. <laughs> hey, uh, you but real... he didn't hate no. Connie Swale. No.
1: <laughs> Don't you mean the Virgin Connie Swale?
0: Connie <laughs> dum, <laughs> yeah. dum Okay. Hey, real right. quick,
1: before we leave, uh, not spray from uh <laughs> yeah. subject, we work, we're working over the great because I've been noticing an awful lot on a weekend in. The... <laughs> During, during Easter vacation on a weekend, would they ever close the park for weather? Yes. Okay. Well, let's I'm, put it this way.
2: Uh, forget Easter weekend, but the park, I have worked in the park <coughs> where it has closed for weather. And basically the reason it closes for weather, because there's nobody in the fucking park.
1: <laughs> well, I just bring that up because, well, the, you know... Park was closed all this last weekend and everything. I didn't think it was that. Much wait, weather. wait! What
2: park was closed this last weekend? Not Square farm.
1: No, wasn't. Well, when I drove past it, did either of you go there? Yeah. After the
2: it's a, my my. I dropped off before I went to breakfast with the ninety-six year old grandmother. I dropped my son off, who was there all day. Which day? Saturday or Sunday? Uh Sunday. And Richard and just lost, lost Richard. Richard. Okay, let me add him back in here. And, of course, we won't edit this snafu out because that would be too much work. i now he's trying to call back. Why does he do that? He knows he can't do that. Well, you know what? He probably doesn't know. That's the problem. And he was talking about me with bandwidth. I think it was his bandwidth. Oh, and then Can I he... reject them. Oh, come on. Right in the so, middle of a good show, and he was trying to say something stupid and dumb. And it's ringing.
1: What the heck just happened? Your
2: bandwidth issues. Crap bandwidth.
1: Well, I'm turning yeah. everything off here. And... You're still with
2: AOL. We know. We understand. Okay, so moving on, the park was not closed. Maybe it just didn't look real busy, but it was not closed.
1: Okay, maybe that was the case, but you know, it, heard... it's
2: a unique situation where that park keeps lowering the price while everybody else's is going up. So, um, you know, it was quite open.
0: Do you okay. think they're long for this world? I don't know. Do I they think make they. Enough? Do they still make enough on Halloween Haunt to
2: cover the whole to hold them over for the rest of the year? Well, that's was the um, the theory when I worked there. Even that that one event carried them through the whole year. Uh, you know, I went in and took my son in a couple of years ago on his birthday. And it, you know, it wasn't packed, but it was busy. I mean, you don't have to have a sellout crowd every day to, to make money. I used to know when I worked there, what the, the, the attendance per day had to be to break even. Uh, just like at one time I could probably tell you what Disneyland's was. I just have totally lost that thought, but you know, you, th- there is a break even and I, I don't know what it is and it. Uh, Believe it or not, it's not as much as you'd probably think it
0: is. (laughs) You mean highest numbers I probably think it is? Yeah, let's
2: say, you know, like Richard used, I used to say, man, we had 30,000 people today. And he's like, that's nothing. But for Knott's, because of its size, 30,000 was a lot of people. That was packed. For Disneyland, that would be a nice afternoon. For Knott's, that was packed. Um, And I want to say... I want to say probably nine to ten thousand. It's a guess, totally pulled out of my ass at this point. Uh, was a break-even day. I four. don't want
1: to see anything pulled out of your ass. Thank you.
2: That's quite all right. Um, so you know, let's say Disneyland's was fifteen thousand. I don't know what it is today, but there is a there is a magic number for break-even, and they Disneyland's breaking it almost every day. day. Probably is breaking it every day. So. so should we get back to our email? Yes, sure and subject of tonight okay so first let's kind of go uh one by one by one yes go buy shirts he wants people to buy shirts so we will encourage that that thought um now that does Disney take care of its legacy he's talking about the treasure DVDs and they don't really promote it and I don't know other than you know the occasional things coming out of the vault or it's gonna go back in the vault uh, th- there's maybe a big splash that you know the mermaids coming back out after 20 years or or whatever it is, a lot of their videos that come out aren't really promoted. They're, they're just out. You know, you go into the DVD planet or whatever store you prefer, and there's all, you know, there they a, are. a huge rack of movies well, that you didn't even know were out, you know. Um, I don't really necessarily fault or applaud them either way on that. As far as the, the uh, treasure CDs, uh, I, I'm, I'm not that – I'm not that broken up about that either because they go through phases. I uh, Richard can well, I remember say- when they first, can I finish my fucking thought when no. they first started bringing out, um, uh, <laughs> limited video sets, there were out of the, you know, the vault videos. I remember getting Dumbo. I didn't even open it for a while. I thought, Oh, you know, it's the first movie on, on, on video. Uh, it goes away. It comes back. They, they tend to, to rotate and uh, take things away for a while. Like beauty and the beast isn't available on DVD right now. And I, I didn't realize that until so I went to to buy it. And I'm like, oh, crap. So i got to wait till whenever they pull it out of the, the vault again. It was just out not too long ago. Uh, it's longer than you think, With but the, I've been looking for it for over. Three... All right. Well, within the last five years, it came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. And I, we miss buying it. And, you know, I think I might have it on Laserdisc. But regardless, it's uh, – um, so that kind of thing doesn't bother me. Yeah, I like the treasure DVDs. But, again, to keep people buying it again, you, you, you stop them you wait a while you bring a kind of a different version of the same thing out well, um
1: it was now can i jump in
2: yes i guess i paused long enough for you to jump in
1: um sure. so what go ahead gonna say, what i was going to say is one of the things is with the uh, treasure series it, it is advertised but it's just not advertised like in the target circular or on or on television ads, if you go into some place like Disney Anna or where you actually find these type of things, the uh, regular blog spots they mention that certain of these uh, treasure the little tin can videos are coming out. Where uh, where right, was that, Richard? Disney Anna or the various. Different, Isn't Disney uh,
2: Anna a store on Main Street?
1: Disney Anna is a store on Main Street. It's also a magazine. It's also a website too. So go that, figure.
2: Yeah, that Disney Anna magazine I believe is something that rates or keeps track of how much collectibles are worth
1: right but the thing is is there they do advertise it in like the nffc and that type of stuff okay that but they again, you're
2: yeah. talking about narrow bandwidth of uh of advertisement and, here
1: and those and those are mostly those are many of the people that are going to be buying that type of stuff and again the, na-
2: narrow bandwidth he's talking about why aren't they mass mar- marketing like you know when the mermaid came out again that was a big mass market campaign. My gosh, they te- toys and all kinds of crap. I think that's right. what he's looking at, uh, because maybe the average, the average person isn't in an FC, isn't getting a Disney's Collectors Magazine. So if you want to expand your market, why aren't they showing it to more of the world? Uh,
1: I don't know. I don't. I'm not in their marketing department. I don't know. I'm not that's a good to thing. Their 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 thoughts are. But the thing is, is they do mention it. Are there more coming out? Yeah, there's more coming out because the uh, one that they just brought out recently that had the Disneyland USA film that was remastered onto it. They're going back and remastering some of these since they got a lot of the original negatives uh, back out.
2: So are you saying that Jason is, is incorrect, that they have not announced that the Disney Treasure DVDs are being discontinued?
1: The last I heard, they are not being discontinued. They are actually thinking of some new ones to bring out. That's so, the last well, I've heard. Maybe they're happen. not. You know, I could be wrong, but well, that the could last I've told. be true.
2: Maybe they're not Disney Treasure DVDs. They're remembering Disneyland's past DVDs. See, that's what I'm thinking. They changed. Maybe they're changing the marketing scheme of it all.
1: That could be too. I mean, you do you do need to change. Like you were just talking about Dumbo. When we first saw Dumbo come out, it was like, oh yeah, this is the thing. Dumbo's come out several times since, and it's been marketed different ways each time.
2: Yeah, okay. So moving on. Um, uh, you know the Mystics of Walt's apartment. I are they actually touring people through that thing now?
1: You know, I took a look uh, at his well, website. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. You started saying. No,
0: something. go go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was taking a look at the website, and lo and behold, on first of all, it's Adventures by Disney Adventures. It's that new uh, vacation planning. Uh, that Walt Disney's travels been going through where you have like a personal concierge slash assistant that goes through you with you on this guided tour of wherever some some of its in Europe some of its Africa some of its Asia and on this particular tour in the Southern California area and their quote unquote Hollywood tour they bring you into Disneyland and DCA and they give you a special VIP guided tour of the backstage area which in the uh, their advertisement includes Walt's apartment.
2: I forgot what just annoys me to hell, and I just clicked on the website. The music and it's I couldn't hear a word you said as I'm looking around for the audio off, which
1: is very well hidden. It is yeah. kind of
2: just slid right in there with some other. I'm like crap. It, it, it yeah, just but annoys but me. But anyway, go ahead. Richard. It the Disney
0: apartment that they're taking you on a tour is the firehouse one.
2: Yeah, that's what I meant. That's, that's, that's what that's he said. What I'm uh, thinking it is, I, yeah. what, When I say Walt's apartment, I don't think of New Orleans Square because it never really got finishes as an apartment. So I fact, assume Main Street. It,
1: the way it looks today is nothing like what the original plan was. For, I mean, what we when saw you in the gallery. Specify
2: which one you're talking about now.
1: The, the one in New Orleans Square, the, fam, the Disney family apartment. Yes. The one that used to be the gallery when it was designed as the gallery was far closer to what the original design of that space was supposed to be compared to what it is now what it is now is a is a 180 degree difference so from, when they said
2: they w- were looking at the original artwork and designs to recreate it you're saying that was pretty much a fallacy
1: they were probably looking at the original artwork and designs, but what they created up there is not what was the original artwork that we've seen in the gallery of that space.
2: Okay, well, obviously some of that fiber optic crap in the train, and you know this is all modern technology that's allowed them to oh. install some of this stuff. But okay, but we're, we don't want to obsess on that because that could be another yeah. show. Um, <clears throat> so now we're passing that Disney destination crap, and... You know, let's see, I thought Lassiter was going to bring back some of this, and, I, and I, what I didn't get is what that had to do with the previous statement. I got to say, I kind of missed the yeah, the importance yeah, of that difference. paragraph. But let's just move on down then to. I almost feel like Disney right now is a machine with no face. Do they need one? Now let's forget now who he asked. The faces are. I'm going to ask a question, and then I'm going to lead into the face issue. What do you guys consider the golden years of Disneyland?
1: Oh, I think there's a lot of golden years. Okay, let
2: me let me rephrase it. Since Walt died, (laughs) what were the golden years of Disneyland?
1: I think a lot Uh, of the uh... uh, go ahead, ahead, Richard.
2: All right, fine. I'll go first. Um,
1: you, you get slammed you know, by Greg. Okay,
2: next time. Next time, I will tell which one of you to go first, so you don't step all shut over up, each other. Shut up. Um,
0: I, you know, mid seventies for me. You know, they
2: had lots of good stuff going on. Okay, late sixties, mid seventies to you. That was I, the I fun said, time, I a classic said, time of the parks. I did not say late sixties. I said mid seventies. Mid seventies. Okay, Space Mountain opening. Um, big America thunder on opening, parade. American parade, America yeah. sings. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Richard, same
1: question. I would say late eighties, going into the early nineties.
2: Oh, okay. So Richard, I'll, I'll ri- be my second. Okay, I'm not going to be able to lead Richard into the, the the ultimate question of what I was getting to. And I sh- I maybe should have made it wider than Disney Land, but also Disney World would. Would you for for the era that Mike talked about, which is the mid seventies, right? You yes. also had Disney World opening. By eighty two, you had Epcot opening. Would you say there was a public face of Disney at that time? Walt or Roy died in uh, what late seventy one. Late seventy one. So, I mean, the people on Wall Street knew who the CEO was. Business people did, but do you think the average Joe had a face to Disney, Mickey Mouse,
1: Mickey Mouse? That was it. They're, yeah, the, the well, that's fair. That I char- mean, yeah, yeah, the people that were in charge yeah. of the company, Don Tatum, Card Walker. Nobody, even to this day, nobody knows really who those people were.
2: Right. So my my point is, does there really need to be one? Just because Walt was such a great front man, and I'm even going to go and say Eisner was a great front man. There was issues with him as the front man later in the years, but he was still a halfway decent front man. He, he you knew what dis what was going on with Disney. His face was out there. You could say it was for ego. Okay. But if you say he was ego driven, then Walt's got to be ego driven.
0: When, when, when Eisner took over and said, you know what? I'm going to be the face of this company. I'm going to, I'm going to show that I'm in control and that I'm doing good things. <laughs> At that point, it was recognized that maybe that's what was lacking since Walt had died. Okay. This the the Walt Disney Company had lacked a person to be standing up there saying, "I am Walt Disney Company and I am doing and I'm and I am safeguarding what you entrusting me with." That was missing, and when Eisner came along, they realized, you know what? That's what's been missing. Okay. Because he gained trust right away. People, you know, he he and Frank Wells, right? But Eisner, everybody trusted him. He was doing good stuff
2: and he proved himself worthy at the beginning. Okay, now, if I put on a set of DF ears, and I mean the (laughs) fundamentalist ones,
3: um,
2: (laughs) one would say that everything that has gone wrong with the Disney company started in 1984. Look at all the great things that happened from 1966 to 1984. We opened up Disney World. We opened up Edcott. We have Space Mountain. We have uh, Big Thunder. We have America Sings. We have great parades. Uh, the parks are still reasonably priced. Uh, the, the crowds aren't uh, so horrendous you don't want to go to the park. Uh, what about the the, properties? the the attractions were classically done.
1: Okay, now I will play What Devil about the Zab- film properties? Oh, well, yeah. The I'll film properties, Zab- are,
2: Mike, are, you're, you're correct. There was no great film property, but on the other hand, animation was still hand-drawn. Some of it was not so great, but people knew what they would get when they went to a Disney movie, which is absolutely totally family-friendly. Family yes, Now you get a but PG from, movie from Disney. They might be talking about sexual acts you really don't want your kids to know about.
0: But from 1966 to 1984, Walt Disney considered itself, the company considered itself a film company first.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree and, with that.
0: And in that era, you know, yes, it was a decent era for the parks, but in their primary focus, it was crap time. And
1: but let, that was part of play, the
0: reason why. Go ahead, Richard.
1: Let me play devil's advocate to that. Okay. Walt Disney World open, Created during Walt's time. Epcot open. Created during wall's time. Oh, whoa,
2: whoa, 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 uh, whoa, no, whoa, whoa, no. whoa, whoa! Stop, Richard! We, stop! Wait! wait stop! Let, stop! Let, stop! Let,
1: let. Nope, nope, nope. You, no. you. All
2: right, fine. Up. Go ahead and spew your debauchery diatribe <laughs> crap. It's just for <laughs> the,
1: the company was coasting on a lot of ideas that had been been thrown around for about. You know, the last 10 years, they were, for the most part, was coasting. And that's what caught the company in trouble, I think, by the early 80s, where suddenly they were kind of, okay, yeah, they did have some ideas. And they were doing a lot of things on the, on the side that they were doing great. But it also started looking at the company, making it look worthwhile as a takeover prospect.
0: Okay, let's forget about yeah, yeah, we know no, yeah, no debt, lots of
2: cash, blah blah yeah, blah. Let's forget about that and forget about you know they made movies on the premise of what would a Walt Walt what would have Walt done or made? What but would the, Walt do? The parks were not actually doing that bad. Um, really? They were actually yeah. looking into getting into the transportation business because the Wedway and the People Mover were proving to be feasible ideas, and they they actually dabbled in the People Mover uh, thing for a little bit, but. Uh, Houston, or was it Houston's airport, or is it Dallas? Both Fort Worth? Houston and Dallas. Fort Worth. Uh, those were um, tenuous projects for the company. Based on one senior executive that told me a little story on the way to the airport, but in general, the park did well. And do you happen to know what the last greenlit, personally greenlit attraction that Walt greenlit was?
1: No, what was that? I okay.
2: I may be corrected here, but I'm ninety eight point <laughs> yes. nine percent positive. It's a bunch of bears. Country bears. Yeah, that that sounds somewhat
1: familiar because that was for the uh, uh, ski lodge.
2: Yes, it was. Epcot, Richard, the idea of a future city, yes. This theme park, not even close to Walt's dream. So that they came up all by themselves. And they did a fantastic job, by the way. Uh, by the way big thunder Ranch, or I mean big thunder space mountain now granted space mountain he had an idea of a uh, a ride in in the darker in space but still realized after his death without <coughs> his supervision of artwork blah 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 I think they did a hell of a job where they lacked was in in film their films were you know singles and doubles i I don't even think there was a tr eh, there might have been <coughs> one or two triples uh in their day all Sense
0: right well Walt, I, you buddy. know
2: from from walt's death until 84 i'm trying to think of
0: you know there's the whole love bug business no,
2: forget that that but okay you have that but you had bed knobs and broomsticks uh that yeah, might have uh, been the on the boards before shoes. before he left um, and that
0: whole, um that whole what was the name of the school for kurt russell's little <laughs> comedies there
2: oh yeah uh <laughs> uh brain like brain a- brand um the it Computer was all... Wore Tennis Shoes was the first one. Right, and they're all on World the Disney Strong Studio Man. lot. That the, the campus yeah. is the Disney Studio, which I always found yeah. funny. what was the name of the stupid school? Oh, yeah.
0: like I keep but... wanting want want to say Faber College, but yeah, that's I wanted that... to
1: say that's what it, That's
0: Delta House. That's uh, Bra- uh, Animal House,
2: yeah. Brainford, brain, Brad, Brent, Brad, uh, crap. I'm going to kill it. One of my favorite character <laughs> actors is the bad guy in all those movies, too. Um, Keenan Wynn? Keenan Wynn. Wynn. Yeah, who played in... Uh,
1: yeah, Keenan Wynn, and what, what well, and, he, 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 Not in all the movies, in just a couple of movies. Because Caesar Romero was Caesar uh, Romero was in one of them, yeah. but he, but
2: yeah. he was a favorite bad guy in a lot of Disney movies of that era. Um, but yeah, you had Computer wore tennis shoes. You had uh, um, World's got, Strongest Man. World Strongest Man. I mean, Kurt Russell was the man for a while. You could say that.
1: But on your rebuttal to my my thoughts on Space Mountain and Epcot and all that, the reason I say that they were coasted was the original concepts and the original ideas came from Walt when Walt was still alive. Yes, a lot of the design work, the Epcot Center that we see today is nothing like the Progress City.
2: All they did was take the name, the actual things that are there, short of maybe the shopping. In fact, I would say the early designs, if you can go back and find a copy of Disney News, and if you don't have one, and if you put on your white gloves when you come over here, I'll let you look at mine. (laughs) What um, <laughs> um, Trying to keep well, them in good. Not the latex gloves. Yeah, I'm trying I'm to keep them in good condition. What they originally planned were actually two separate parks, and one of them was the international shopping area. It looked more like what he had described as the shopping area in the big domed, or it wasn't really a dome, but the big enclosed area where the um, hotel was. And it just wasn't. They didn't think it would be feasible. I actually think they did the best they could do with no front man that was so charismatic to sell everybody down the road that you can make this but, place called Epcot. So I think they did a fantastic job and none of that wasn't inspired by Walt as far as what those pavilions are uh, well, or any of that. But you got to say he had that, still had people. There were still people in the company who had been tutored by him.
1: What I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted. Screw on that one. you. <laughs> <laughs> was that the initial concepts were there? Yes, vast changes were made and vast changes were needed to be made, especially the Epcot project. We all know the old joke of what would Walt say today if he was alive? What the heck did you do to Epcot? But the initial concepts, the, the initial uh, ideas to start, the initial starting spot, was set up during his time, and then the natural progress of what ended up becoming took over. No, no, it's, that, that, was go that wasn't a natural
2: progress. It. If he had lived, now granted, we're guessing. I don't think they would have got a theme park. If he would have lived, he would have pushed all the rest of it—the living, the, the you know, the hotels, the, uh, the shopping—not a theme park.
1: I'm, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that that is exactly the case. I'm so sure you right can't call it natural
2: progression th- of of what the ideas that he espoused. I actually believe that he might wake up some day out of his, his uh, cryogenic freeze and say, you know, not a bad theme park the way it was in 82. Maybe you shouldn't have used the name Epcot because that's not what Epcot was, but not a bad job. Now what has become today? Some people might argue it's not such a a great thing, but it's still a pretty damn good theme park compared to what you see around the world.
1: But what I'm referring to as natural progression is you have an idea and this is what it's going to be like. Now, you give it to a bunch of designers, they're going to progress on the idea, just like what we were talking with Small World. There's going to be arguments on how things are going to be, on how things are going to set up, and you have a progression of how it's going to end up becoming. Are you honestly you wait, saying wait, 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 Are you wait, honestly
2: wait. saying that if Walt would have lived, the natural progression would have been to get it into a theme park rather than what he wanted?
1: I'm not going to answer because I'm going to finish what I'm saying. If you, if, Now, if you were still around, you would still have your input going into how that progression would go. But if you're not around, it's going to have its own progression going forward. Walt wasn't around for the progression of Epcot. So, of course, Walt's input wouldn't have been involved in it. But it's still going to have a natural progression of here's the starting spot and here's the finish spot. You're going to see a progression going forward. That starting spot was still started and initiated during Walt's time that's what i'm saying Uh,
2: i don't don't buy it it's so far off what he was it's it's not saying taking the 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 magic kingdom you know the finished design and it varied a little bit from what he might have saw that's natural progression but epcot from what he said to what it is now that's not national uh progression that's what can we do to make another theme park to make some money and still make people think that this was his idea.
1: But you get into the eighties, you don't have any you don't have near as many of those original initiatives that were coming in. And I think that was one of the great things that Eisner brought in a lot a number of the people that Eisner brought in kind of reinfused some of these new ideas to start building on new uh, new ideas and new concepts. That's where you started getting your ideas for Indiana Jones. That's where you started getting your uh, for the attractions. Not necessarily the movie. That's all George Lucas, same as Star Wars, but getting some of those attractions in there where he's trying to put in new initiatives going into it. So
2: you're crediting Eisner with bringing people in, not using the talent that was already there, i.e. Tony Baxter, Marty Scolar. Uh, well,
1: they still uh, used the talent that was there too, but their new initiatives something that was that was the first you know you we talk about epcot who coined the phrase epcot but when you talk about doing the star speeder 3000 and star tours or indiana jones and the temple uh, temple of the forbidden eye um those things aren't traced back to walt those things were traced back into the mid 80s Mid and late 80s. Yeah, okay. Uh, I,
2: America Sings not traced back to Walt. That's uh, true. You know, let's see. Big Thunder not traced back to Walt.
1: Well, you you yourself constantly complain that Tony Baxter stole the Thunder Mesa idea, which I which <laughs> yeah when, I do. Was, when Tony was explaining the story, that's not what happened. He tells the story of he was on a Thunder Mountain project for Walt Disney World, and he got ended up coming back over to california over at uh, wed california and he's suddenly being caught between projects and everybody knows if you don't have a project you're working on you're going to be let go so he's quickly trying to throw up and he goes throw up an idea of something and he well how about this slender mountain project And it was just it wasn't that he was trying to steal the idea it's just that's what he was working on over well, in i'm Florida. not sure if I'd
2: i've said to... stolen but he used the idea of another attraction to morph but it, it, it into a... what it is now
1: but even he says it wasn't his attraction. It was just happened to be the one he was assigned to in Florida before he got out here in California. And when he was trying to find something to work on in California, he threw the idea of, well, let's build a Thunder Mountain here in California, too. And as part of that, he was a model maker, and he built a model to show off on how it could look. And everybody thought it was such a great-looking model that he... That's where he got his big credit and big start on things. Yeah, see, and that's
2: where I think maybe some changes have happened at WDI, and I'm speculating because of stories I've heard the way it used to work. There's a guy who is trying to come up with a project, so he R&Ds, let's say, makes a model, presents it to somebody. Today, they don't do that until someone's got a concept they want to move forward with. You don't see as much of this, I'm just sitting in a room dreaming things up, and let's see what happens they decide they're going to have a blue sky meeting with these certain parameters. That's not exactly blue sky. Blue sky is just, Hmm. Hmm. Ah, this is what I got. Not, Hey, let's have a blue sky meeting to make a elevator ride that drops.
1: And that, that can be kind of the, uh, <coughs> excuse me. That can be kind of the thought where we had a discussion years ago when we were working together at, at Disney and we were trying to make a film for a annual party that we were setting up. We didn't and try; we
2: actually made one.
1: We did make one. Yes, Pretty I, I bad, still but... I still say loosely tried. And one of the biggest problems I saw in it it was uh, film by committee directed by committee, everybody had, and as a consequence, (laughs) it kept getting mixed up on it. There's no one single vision on what was going on with this thing. And I think that's what you're kind of, if you're trying, my understanding of what you're implying is the Blue Sky Committee, you don't have a single vision coming in. Individuals coming in with multiple single visions and then latching on. You have a committee that's trying to come up with a vision amongst themselves.
2: Yeah, something like that. I, I, I've i seen some video of some blue sky meetings, and uh, they already had a kind of a concept of what they wanted and then said they were blue sky in it versus like you might say Tony was looking for something to keep him busy and employed. He thought, hey, we had this thing in Florida. Maybe we could do something similar. He builds a model. He's being paid. I guess no one's worrying that much because he's on the payroll. He's doing something productive, and he takes it to a supervisor. And then they're like, "Hey, damn, that's that's pretty good. Let's move along with that." You know, that's. Yeah. I don't think I don't hear that kind of stuff going on like you used to hear it going on.
1: Yeah, and I will agree with you on that. It, it's really gotten into a. Uh, I hate I hate to <laughs> use the term bean counters, but yeah, it, it's getting more into uh, instead of just dreaming up dreams and then finding a way of doing them. It's going into more feasibility studies first, and then let's dream up something that's feasible, rather than come up with the dream first and then find a way to make that feasible.
2: Yeah. So back, uh, back to the the <coughs> the front man. <coughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> when it's pretty hard to follow Walt, Roy. I mean, um, Eisner sure got out there. Was on the TV show. You saw him a lot. You know he. He became a, you know, a front man. I don't really know that a front man is all that necessary. I think people will respond to good ideas, good maintenance in the park, decent movies, and they wouldn't care who the front man is as long as Correct. it's being done and it's being taken care of. I, I, and I think I Iger has a lot of good intentions. He has said a lot of things. But we, and Lasseter has sure said a lot of things, and I haven't seen a whole lot of action. Now, granted, these things don't happen overnight. They take time to develop, especially if you're going to do them right. I mean, how long was Haunted Mansion under development? How long was Pirates of the Caribbean under development? The true classic attractions that we think of, most of them were under development for quite some time. In fact, Pirates stopped, excuse me, changed and started again. Considering the time they put in for the World's Fair in 64, those classic attractions, it's amazing that they came out as well as they did and they still live on today in some form as well as they do. But granted, every resource he had was thrown into it uh, with a real drive to make something good. I don't see that kind of drive or excitement today.
1: And I'm going to disagree with you. I think a front man is kind of an important part, especially when you are dealing with a company similar to Disney. Because you take a look at certain things. You asked, what do you – okay, that's me. I'm hearing an echo of myself in there. Um, That's scary. I thought thought somebody was interrupting me, and I'm just hearing an echo. You're interrupting
2: yourself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that happens now and then it's those it's the voices in my head no but you asked the question when do you consider uh disneyland disney which do you want to look at it company-wise or just park-wise when do you look at it as a golden era i look at the 80s and going into the 90s as a golden era but i think part of that is because you did have eisner suddenly stepping up and saying hey i'm here i'm the man the, but essentially, the Harry Truman, the buck stops here, and you suddenly have people believing in this person. It's not just people believing in a co- company; it's people were believing in Michael Eisner. You can say the same thing with Chrysler. When was Chrysler at its premiere in the last, you know, couple decades? It was when Lee Iacocca was there, and Lee Iacocca stepped up and said. I'm the man. I'm the chairman. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to help take this company. Suddenly, Chrysler, uh, you know, people are believing in Chrysler and the stock's going yeah. sky high yeah. and everything else. Okay, Richard, Le- let, me, let,
2: me, let me ask you this, Richard. The heyday happens to tie in, and your golden heyday uh, of the time you worked there. You were young. You're I, I, an idealist. I, and I'd like yeah. to say that you still are an idealist and haven't really come into. You know, grips with the real world and your age and all that, but that's a show for another day. When we were going to do Doctor Phil, you. When we were kids, Richard, think about the kids. times. You know, we went to high school across the street and had to be tortured by the ambient sounds of the park. You know, penetrating into the classroom, which was was torture in my opinion. Uh, when when we went Sorry, into the I, park and we,
1: I'm going to class. What's that? Sorry, I was concentrating on class at the time. I didn't notice. Sure. Um,
2: Okay. When we would go into the park, and almost every time we headed for the Disney showcase, the first thing. Did we really care or know who the front man was? I mean, I was reading some of the Disney news magazines. I knew some of the names, but really not the importance of what those people did. Um, All I cared about is what they were previewing for the next attraction when i watched the wonderful world of disney on sunday night i didn't care that walt disney wasn't introducing the show anymore all i cared about was some good entertainment so i'm not sure if the average joe needs that spiritual leader like you did now within the company i might say that's a different thing i think eiger or lassiter or Baxter or the crazy guy with the one giant ear thing going on (laughs) internally can make a difference for the culture and the um uh not the camaraderie, the the um just the 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 culture, the environment. The culture, the culture, the environment to inspire them to do more and do better. I don't necessarily know that feel, necessarily. Feel free he, to take risks. Right. right. I don't think that necessarily has to be a public figure. But if you can strive to do that internally and it's seen the- externally. Here. It's Joe Rhodes or Joe Rody or whatever. They, Joe Rody Joe uh, Rody Okay. The guy who yeah, works the, there the, doesn't the- even know. Don't, don't go there, Mike. It's just, it's pathetic. <sighs> okay. Um I mean, that's the way I see it. I don't, you know, in fact, after a while, and I, you know, I liked Eisner in the early years, I admit it. And even towards the end, I just, in some way, I maybe I empathized with him or felt sorry for him because of the way some things were going, but he made some stupid bonehead moves. But, uh, hmm. yes, he did well when he was there in the early years. But, again, I, I, at some points I'm thinking, do we have to see him again? You know, he's on the cover of this magazine. He's talking to that guy. You know, really the people who care are the business people, the insiders in Hollywood, because it's really about, you know, patting myself on the back. I will just want the company to give me what I expected to give me and give it to me. Well, I'm paying good money for this or that. I'd like to see a clean park, a park with new attractions, a park that doesn't look like it's aging. Uh, now, granted, when Mike Eisner walked in, the park looked like it was aging. It was kind of reaching that point where they need to do something. But it didn't have to be announced publicly. Eisner could have come in and shaped that place up without ever turning it into the the giant company it is now. In fact, the fundamentalists will probably say that he ruined the company. It was so much better the way it was. But a lot of us know, realistically, some things had to happen. Did they have to happen the way he made them happen? Probably not. They still (laughs) could have been successful on a smaller scale. But you can't argue that the shareholders... They have done well, well enough. You know, the the small shareholders really don't see that much return. The large ones do. They've employed a lot of people, given a lot of people jobs. I'm not going to get into whether or not they're good paying jobs. But they've still brought joy and happiness to families, to children, better than any other company in what they do.
1: Okay. Okay. I will agree with you. I will agree with you. To the average 15, 16, or 17-year-old that's going into the park, such as we were when we were in high school, yeah, who runs the park doesn't matter so long as I'm having a good time and it's I can still afford it, to be able to get into it. ride's
2: that. not going to break. It still
1: does break. what you expect. I mean, expect. you don't care and who you I, buy your pot and through. And as long as it's you know good what,
2: pot, and you have a good time, right? And,
1: and I'm and just kidding. I'm just kidding. Even, even, <laughs> even, even how clean <laughs> that cube is probably really didn't bother me back then I probably didn't even notice that back then but you're absolutely correct when it comes to the culture of the company and that's where Disney tries to sell itself is on its culture <coughs> when you're dealing with the you know, the thousands of people that are working for you they need a leader that's going to inspire them to do more and be better at it when you're dealing with uh, your Hollywood moguls They're going to be investing millions of dollars into your next project, whether they're bankers, whether they're they're just investors. They need a person that they can see out front, that they can feel, that they can trust, and and be going to. When you're dealing with the, uh, um, oh, where was the next one? Oh, business in general. (laughs) uh... business in general you're talking about one of the one of the largest entertainment companies in the world that has its hand in just about everything and that was even in Walt's time because it was so diverse spread out between print television film and mechanics and the parks and everything It's so spread out and so diverse the business world needs to have somebody that they can look to and believe in when michael came in michael and uh, yeah.
2: Okay, but okay. go back to the, you. You made some good points about Disney back then. They weren't quite as global and large as I think well, you no, made well, it. But, but, large, but they,
1: not they
2: were multifaceted. First, touched on the... something. They were very multifaceted. But Frank Walt, Frank did everybody, w- wait, wait, wait. Walt wasn't <laughs> wait, the trusted wait, wait, wait. one. What?
0: Wait. Uh, well, he he touched on the film. You know the 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 film industry. Yes. All throughout the film industry. Studio heads were well-known figures. Well, Name and studio and, head in Walt's day,
2: in Walt's day, yes, yes, and today, yes. Uh, do you think the average person knows who's running Warner but, Brothers today?
1: But that's that's it, Greg. The average person uh, does, but the people that are in the industry. Should
2: well, they, well, yeah, no, I, I, I think the people no, in the no, industry think... know who's running Disney, but let's go back to Walt's time for a minute, because you mentioned it, and they needed this great front man. He was a great front man, but who did the banks trust? Roy. Not the front man. In fact, the banks <laughs> were a little leery sometimes to give the front man money, because uh, uh, quite honestly, a lot of people thought he was a whack job. He's never going to be able to get Disneyland off the ground. He's not going to be able to, to do this animated feature. This guy's a nutcase.
1: And I, hence my argument when we talked about it on the past show, Michael Eisner and Frank Wells were the perfect team because they were another Walt and Roy. You had your front man that was this dreamer guy and everything, but then you had Frank Wells that was the business. This guy man was grounded. That, knew, that was that... Everybody in the industry in the business knew Frank and trusted Frank wholeheartedly. And yes, Frank and Michael would have some of their knockdown dragouts at times. But the thing is, is that what, that's what made the company work. Michael made you believe in it. Frank made you trust in it.
2: Okay, now and I,
1: that's what I think you need, and that's what the company is somewhat lacking. I want to go. Let you me don't. You don't think
2: Eisner's back. not. Insp- you as a cast member right now, Iger can- is not inspiring you.
1: Well, let me let me put it into a more local position. I, I think
0: Iger, I think Iger's the guy that's grounded. He's not the dreamer type. He's the solid feet on the ground, knows what to get things done, and has the trust
2: of industry people. See, I
0: I agree with you. He there. Needs a dreamer. He needs a dreamer to, you know, balance him out.
2: Now, Richard also mentioned a culture company. within the company. I think that's very important. Did you? I heard this on the radio a couple of weeks ago. Bill Handel was talking about it. Um, Disney whores – I mean, Disney sells services <laughs> to, takes one, no one. to companies <laughs> to teach them how to have good culture, how to – To Disney way, yes. To Disney way, how to treat people right. Guess who
1: –
2: guess what prominent organization who's had a lot of bad press lately – hired disney to do this and at first they're like what the hell we're not sitting in some room with donald duck and mickey mouse but it's It's actually turned out it's no it's actually turned out to be very good and they think that in the long run this place is going to shape up i remember reading about this last year okay i'm (sighs) gonna throw some other clues out that might help you military war injured soldiers pentagon nope who takes care what of injured soldiers? Hospitals. No, no, no. You're getting close to a certain hospital in the East Coast with a very, very bad reputation. Well, Bethesda. Walt- Walter Reed Medical Walter Reed Z- Okay. You remember all the crap with Walter Reed, right? They brought in hospital. Disney to help them, you know, straighten up and fly, Things right? Are- yeah and they say it's actually working but at first they're like what the hell and I mean they bring out the characters they they go through their whole pixie dust spiel when they're doing these things from what i understand so um, i just wonder if they need to do that more of that in their own company people well, like- i wonder do they take it for granted now richard that from the bottom up everybody knows the culture is it taken for granted today I
1: think it is to a certain extent because there are times where suddenly you are meeting a whole lot of people that just don't <laughs> seem to have trained the same as you, Mike, and myself have been trained in the past as far as the culture and an understanding of what the whole purpose okay. was. But I was going to go, uh, you wanted to know on specific examples on, on the leadership value. You know, several years ago at, Di- at, the, at the Disneyland Resort, the president was Matt Weimit and when matt was out there he was uh, very prominent he was out there and he was a very good front man he was very well grounded too he understood business and everything that's why starwood hotels got him from disney but the thing is is he was a very good front man and everybody i mean everybody in the resort knew who matt we was your regulars that would come in your regular aps that were there you know two three four times a day oh, I mean a week, uh, <laughs> they knew who Matt Wehman was. And yeah, one of the biggest complaints that you hear now with people that have been around for more than three or four years that were there during Matt's time, and even from your uh, regulars that come in, is who's Ed Greer? Where's Ed Greer? What does Ed Greer look like? Because he's not that, he did, he's a good business man, but he's not, the type of personality that goes out with the people the way matt was all the time and i think when you're dealing with a culture specifically like disney you need that combination yes you need that you like you constantly keep harping on greg it is a business you're absolutely right it is a business it's there to make money it's not to lose money but with the culture that it's trying to inbreed breed onto everybody inbreed inbreed. The (laughs) culture is trying to breed upon everybody here or breathe. I should say the culture is trying to breathe upon everybody. It needs somebody that is inspiring. Like Mike said, kind of a dreamer that's out there to make you feel like you can dream the same dream too. Yeah. But
2: you know what? Some of what I saw when I was there for one, and I've, I've said this many times when uh, Dominguez and, Uh, Nunes was in charge of the park in my early days it was rare to see either one of them in the park I saw maybe Dominguez a few more times but partially because his office was two floors above us and you'd pass in the elevator on the way to the can um, things like that it was rare to see Nunes walking around in my day because he spent most of his time in Florida even some of the local park management coras most people were running if they saw Cora heading their way they didn't want to be caught by Cora doing something that he felt they, was inappropriate. It was more of a uh, a fear factor than a positive impact. Uh, Linquist was a little better, but, again, didn't spend a lot of time in the park. And sometimes I wonder if there's this false sense of, uh, I, I see the guy in the park, so I feel better, which I guess could be good and bad. But at what point, and do you remember the old campaign of getting on the bus? Yes. Okay. Poor internal campaigns to inspire people can be as detrimental as no campaign at all uh, to the point where you just you just can't buy into it. And I I wonder, like the song Tragic Kingdom, if people you've got the Kool-Aid drinkers and you've got the people that just don't get it anymore. You know, Walt's been dead for 40 years. They don't give a crap. They just want to go ride, you know, fast rides the the you know you see the way our culture has changed. I mean, when people first went to the park, you see pictures of them in jackets and dresses. Now it's shorts and barely a shirt on. Sometimes, our society <laughs> has changed, so I think it's getting harder and harder sometimes to find as many people as you need to employ at a Disneyland or a Disney World resort that can drink the Kool Aid. And part of it could be that there is no charismatic, charismatic figure to do that. I I, I believe in the the uh, the charismatic that you know that figure, but I don't know if that's the end all of it all.
1: Well, no. Oh, what I'm saying is, okay, you're talking about seeing Nunes and Dominguez and Lindquist go walking through the parks all the time. I'm not saying that no. They I said walk- I
2: didn't see him walking around the park all the time.
1: Right. Okay. Hang on a second. So you
2: got, you're
0: not, okay. Dick Nunes, Ron Dominguez worked
2: on stage for many years before they rose to their positions. Of uh, executive Nunes, Nunes, Nunes was hired as an executive. Then, you know, area supervisor at best, but wasn't exactly like a frontline cast member. Dominguez. No. Yes. He was an attraction okay. cast member. But, well, you know, N-
1: Nunes, was on, c- Nunes was hired in with the university, so every person in that first couple of years that came through the park, Dick Nunes... Probably had contact
2: off. with him, but it wasn't like he was a frontline in in-the-park cast he worked, member that worked their way up from an hourly position like Dominguez did. Right, okay. no,
1: but he, he worked He worked directly with... Uh, uh, he worked with
2: people. He was he was early on in the Disney University or... Van
1: France. Uh, uh, yeah, with Van France
2: to... You know, to kind of make the culture of what Disneyland would become. Okay, but
0: to compare him to somebody who's not ever, you know, you you're gonna trust someone like Ron Dominguez to know what he's talking about because he spent so many years on stage and he knows what those people deal with. Oh,
2: I see where you're going. Yeah, none of these. Someone comes in, right? Correct. So yeah, so they need. Well, we should finish that statement. We should finish that statement because we know what we're talking about. The the modern generation of managers or vice presidents, presidents of Disneyland have never, and we mean never, worked in the parks. They probably either came from somewhere else in the Disney organization or from the outside hired to do their job, right? Is that what you're getting
0: at? Yeah, yeah, not as not as frontline types, yes. They never worked as frontline types. I mean, it's well known that Ed Greer was general manager for uh, the Disney Studios for some time, and that might have required him being out and about knowing or meeting or glad handing the cast members, but he certain, certainly doesn't start out selling popcorn or sweeping or pushing
2: a button to dispatch a log. But, okay? but then again, on the other hand, that doesn't necessarily make you unequivocally qualified to be a manager either.
0: No, but it does. Well, when, when, when some, when as an executive and you're giving orders to the frontline people Someone who's been there
2: understands the it, consequence. It can of that give offer. you balance. Someone who's never been yeah. there, what'd you say? It but gives you validation. It, it could give you balance. Uh, yes. I don't necessarily buy the validation because it's all about how you you listen and you act. That's a that's a combination of things. You know, Walt never worked in attraction.
1: Well, I'll, I'll even go a little bit further just to add balance. Nunes and, uh, never worked in attraction. At, Matt Weemit never worked. Well, Matt Weemit was a, came up as a, started as a real estate developer with the Celebration Project and ended up being a park manager. So was he was front line as far as he was a park manager, but he wasn't a hourly cast member over at Walt Disney World. But the thing is, is when you did have the people come, <coughs> Um, you still had your regular you know you would have your little spiels over at the Golden Horseshoe that Ron Dominguez would be hosting something or that Jack Lindquist would have this talk about something over in Town Square or even at the old Videopolis stage, they would have these little meetings every now and then that were essentially they were. Uh, raw, like raw, type yeah. raw, raw meetings. Raw, raw But the thing is, is you had those things. And granted, yes, uh, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We're kind of a victim of our own success. And as large as we are, you're not going to have be able to get out there as much as. Yeah, you see so you, you don't guys don't
2: do those at all anymore. Is that what you're saying?
1: Correct. They don't do those type of things at all. They will have an interview in the line. They will have an occasional soundbite that will show up on cast TV. But they're not out there getting into, you know, explaining what their vision is. They're not out there explaining what, you know, essentially giving the pep rally feeling where it, it makes you feel like, hey, I'm a value here. That so they're, person- they're
2: making, in your opinion, they're making an assumption that you know what the company's about. And they don't have to continue to tell you this over and over and over.
1: I don't know if that's—I don't know if that's the uh, the correct way I would put it, but that is a way that could be put.
2: Because you know, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, re- reason, how else would you not, put that?
1: The reason <laughs> is is because are you making an assumption that the that your junior management should be doing enough to. Uh, You know, your junior management should be putting enough of these pep rallies on their own to be able to do get the rah-rah feeling in the troops. You know, it's the old saying that the person that leads, you know, the person that leads the charge needs to be the person that's the head of the whole outfit, Uh, not just, oh, you guys go ahead. I'll be right here if you need anything.
2: You mean sort of like MacArthur, Patton, uh... Monty well, or any yeah, of those need, where they stand yeah, in the back with their personally. their 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 spy glasses watching the troops die in the the front.
1: Well, if you're gonna, be, no, yeah, I'm well, just I'm, making I'm, a I'm really
2: thinking. bad analogy, but I'm, I know what you mean. You you would like to see the present person uh, given a little more raw rah or at least maybe this uh, who's the number two person
1: now? Well, Greg Emmer was number two. Was. He's recently left, and we now have Michael Lagrot.
2: Go okay. That's I like go potatoes. So <laughs> it's all But anyways, um, a
1: well, lot of times
2: O'grotin. when Nunes was in charge, we actually heard from Dominguez because Nunez wasn't always around. But at least once a year, we had a required thing we went through that something was going on to tell people about. You know whether uh, you know it's like hey, we had a great year. We're looking forward to a new year. They weren't always long, but there was something going on. But you know it's not the small family. That it used to be, like you say, you're a victim of your own success, and and it's much harder to keep those kind of things up. And I'm sure the executives' days are much busier than the average uh, hourly in the front line probably would believe they are. Whether or not they buy that they need to do all these meetings or do all these things that they do, uh, obviously the the company finds them to be important, so they they do them. And maybe in you know it's in spite of what maybe they should be doing about getting out there, and obviously. But there's, uh, What's that?
1: There's the rub. Matt Weimit did find the time to do all that type of stuff, and that's why people, a lot of people, still look fondly upon him.
2: Well, and I say a good manager doesn't necessarily have to know every nuts and bolts about the place, but he needs to know who to, where to get the right information, what questions to ask. You know, being able to empower people to do things. Uh, you know, people go to management school, right? They get out and they get a job managing uh, h- hardware assembly, hard drives. They don't necessarily know anything about them. But they're going to learn something about them or enough to know, you know, that it takes so long to assemble things. This and that and that. And they Another guy gets out of the same management school, goes and manages, I don't know, an auto plant. Again, you don't have to know everything, but you need to know what to ask, who to ask. How to empower people? How okay, to make people you have half feel they're a brain,
0: important? If you have half a brain, you start understanding.
2: Yeah. Oh no, no, I, yeah, totally. Man, you
0: know, magical tells you how to deal with people or whatever. But you know, after a while, if you have half a brain, you start understanding. Oh, how you know how everything's connected together? Exactly. Is, Walt. You better they,
2: they said when they Walt started like the, the, the park, park, he couldn't read a blueprint. But time things got you know. Once things got really moving, next thing you know, he could read the blueprints. He involved himself. He learned the process so he would know what's going on. And well, you, yeah, a good manager should do that. If, if that's not happening now, you know, do they not well, find it important? Again, it's a cash cow. They don't have to do a lot to the park to make money. If it's simply a bean counting thing, then it's working fine for the company. But it may not here, be fine for everybody else.
1: Here, here's, here's the thing. And you, you bring up the idea of business school, which is a good one. <laughs> There are several different trains of thoughts on how management should be. One of those is that a good manager just sits in his office, lets the staff do do their thing. If they need something, they can contact him and he'll take care of it. But he just sits in his office, lets them do their thing. Another one would be your micromanager, blah, blah. Then there's this other school of thought that, oh, and one other thing, that manager goes to all the meetings with all his senior staff so that they can give him the input that they need, that of what they need, so that he can take care of the job and take care of them. There's another school of thought that says that a good manager, his senior staff has their meetings, and he doesn't attend those meetings. What he does is he lets them have the meeting, and then they'll give him a quick little briefing on, you know, five sentences or less or less of what it means, he's going to go out and he's going to go about not to micromanage but just to see for himself what's going on and basically, you know, press the flesh a little bit with people and make them feel good about what's – because his whole thing is this whole thing, is to keep his people – His whole thing is this thing? Is this thing, is to keep his people working and with the central vision. Hey, By the way, where is the school
2: of thought? Because I would like to go to that school. It sounds pretty interesting. (laughs) <laughs> there, was
1: actually a man, there was actually a really interesting management class I took a number of years ago, and I'll tell you more about it some other no, time. No, I just find, but, you know,
2: so pet phrases that people, you know, school of thought is used by a lot of people. And I just, I was sitting here thinking about it, really kind of drowning some of out of what you're saying. And school of thought is used a lot. I thought, you know, I wonder where that yeah. started from. But, but have you ever read The One Minute Manager?
1: But let me finish this one real quick. Then you can tell me about the one-minute management. I'm not going to
2: tell you about it. I'm just wondering if you have, because that management style, a lot of people would drive them crazy, but it actually works.
1: Yeah. No, I haven't read that, to be honest. Well, go read it. Um, but the thing is, is one right? Is one wrong? No. They both are different types of management style, and I'm not going to say one's right over another, because for some it might be right one way, for others it might be right this way. The way I look at it now is, is Ed Greer... Right or wrong, in comparison to Matt Weimert, no, he just has a different management style. It's not necessarily one I particularly care for, but he has a different style. He's, you know, uh, of how he runs things. What I do think, though, is you do need somebody that is more of a little bit of a uh, out there figurehead. How did you say it, Greg? Spokeshole. Not spokeshole. <laughs> But the charismatic leader, of, got, charismatic leader, we got plenty of spokes holes. That's all your your. Okay. Uh, so when
2: w- when Matt Weimann, oh I'm sorry, when Ed Greer was press press in the flesh during the Pirates Three premiere, and he was all over the hub. He was talking to people. He's friendly. He's very charismatic. I thought he's very engaging. W- did really well with the public. Okay. A lot of people have complained that that's classic Ed Greer getting the photo op. Okay. Now, personally, I don't find anything wrong with getting the photo op. That You know, again, like you say, it's your style. Is that your way of management or that way of management? Neither is wrong. They're just different. Some work, some don't. Right. right. I, I would say a large amount of people on the boards do find Ed Greer to be offensive and wrong about everything he's doing because he's not out in the park or he's not doing this. So do their opinions really matter? If they're on the boards and they don't work for the park, well, they are the audience that you're trying to sell tickets to. But then again, park attendance keeps going up and up and up. No matter what's management we've liked or disliked at the park, attendance just doesn't stop. So they can't be doing everything wrong.
1: No, I'm not saying, and that's where I'm getting at is that there are different styles on there. But going back to the original question on, on the letter, does Disney need somebody that's going to be the face of Disney? I think you
2: sell the face of the founder and the greatest creation or the creation that got everything going, and you make the park work to the the level that that individual started with or uh desired his company to be and it doesn't matter who's doing it as long as you can push those ideals and have the company buy into it and sell it to you i think that personally for me that would be enough but part of that is having the management teams in the local levels like you're saying to pump you up to make you feel wanted to make you feel that you're you're paid well enough that everything is going Right, and I don't necessarily, <coughs> you know, the moguls will know who each other's moguls are in all the companies, what really the face of the Walt Disney Company should be Walt Disney, I think when, you know, a lot of people complain that Eisner was taking the face of Disney away from Disney, because it was about him, not the company, I don't it, I don't, that. I can see why they would say that, I don't know if I totally agree, but. The company is Walt Disney. Uh, The company is not Eisner. It's not Iger. If you remember some recent ads for the Ford company, it was Henry Ford III, I believe, trying to talk about where Ford was going back to. Though I don't believe the Ford family actually still runs the company. I think it's a public company. I'm not really sure. I don't know that much about the auto industry.
1: It's a public company, but But he could still be on the board of directors. There's a Ford on the Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. They were trying to talk. They were they were showing the legacy. Here's the you know the third generation of Henry Ford, saying that the company still believes in their ideals. Wouldn't it be nice to know that Diane or uh, I think there is actually a Walter something Disney that's a grandson.
1: Grandson, which is Walter Elias Disney Miller. Yes. Okay.
2: Wouldn't it be nice that somebody like that could actually come to the forefront now and then in a big public way Now I know Diane's working on the the uh, museum up in the Presidio that I would find a great thing if they they could become friendly enough and the the family was interested enough in the legacy like Roy to be kind of the new ambassador if you will to deflect let's say the examination of the actual CEO, as long as that CEO is making sure that the company is doing everything it can to espouse what the founder wanted. And then you have this family member who is behind them and makes you feel good that, hey, they're doing what my father started or my grandfather started. That would make me feel good. And I wouldn't care who the leader
1: was. My, My thought is... You know, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying on everything there. I still think, though, you need a Lee Iacocca. I think uh, just because, like you said, you're when you were talking about uh, Ed Greer out on the uh, Pirates red carpet and that some people even complained about the way he's handling things, that's your audience. That's it exactly. Our audience is out there, and they're looking for a someone that they can say hey okay there's a guy i can listen to not just a company going out there but an individual person
2: i would guess that audience is one percent or even maybe less than one percent of the paying public
1: i don't know but regardless Hmm. i i think well how many
2: annual pay holes or how anal pay holes or whatever we're calling them these days there's how many of them here in for disneyland
1: I don't know the exact number. The last number I was 000. given was 600,000.
2: Okay, how many visitors does Disneyland get a year?
1: According to uh, the study that just came out on uh, Al Lutz's spot, was fourteen million.
2: Okay, do the math.
1: Okay, but fourteen million is also individual people coming to the day. How many times do those six hundred thousand people come multiple times during the year?
2: I well, so yeah. I I have a feeling they're they're making an adjustment for annual pass holders unless they want to inflate their oh, no, numbers. No, they're not. I don't, you, think, you don't so. think so.
0: first of all no, because they'll they'll never actually divulge gate count. So, you know, it's all speculation. Right that number. But you know, they've okay.
2: told you over the years how many millions of people have visited Disneyland. Walt told you how many millions of people visited the first year. So on what I'm trying to extrapolate is you take your annual pay holders, pie holders, and you just call them annual pass holders and quit trying to force
0: yourself into making up a new term.
2: I'm not trying to make up. I'm trying to think of the one that Jeff used to use all the time. But um, regardless of that, I, I think there's a small percentage of the people who actually pay to come to the place every year. So the the small percentage that complains are not, yes, they're part of your target audience, but they're not the ones that are going to make and break you. They're going to gripe and moan on, on the boards, but the attendance keeps going up every year. The price keeps going up every year and the people keep coming back.
1: Go figure.
2: I know. I, at 60, 70 bucks for a one day one park I just I'm just blown away or is it 80 bucks so, now?
1: A... Obviously, we're going to disagree. What do you think, Mike?
0: What, that we if they if Disneyland needs a new face or the company needs a new face? Yeah. You know, I I think it all depends on how well they're doing if they're doing fine without one, then they don't need one. But like I said, when Eisner came on the scene that all of a sudden they realized, Hey, you know what? <laughs> this is what they've been missing. And it really wasn't
2: Eisner. It was a combination of Eisner and Wells. But keeping- at that time they were, they were really missing that. And though, I don't know that Ron Miller ever got his due or chance because unfortunately at the point he came in, uh, to actual taking leadership role, uh, the yeah, company I was already, was already hitting the rock bottom, and he's been blamed for a lot of things that really he shouldn't be blamed for. Um, True. So, but today the company is doing fairly well. People, I mean, the speculation would be what when Eisner goes, and you know, nobody knows who Iger is. He didn't come up through the Disney company. He's an ABC guy. You know, oh, there was doom and gloom speculation, and actually, you know, there's been some failures, but overall, the like I say. Attendance is going up. There's been some movies that have still been going well. Uh, they're not doing, they're not doing bad.
1: No. Okay. All I mean, right. what well, who, have we killed the subject? Who, off who would you
2: rather see at the front of the company? Would you Would you prefer to see Iger plastering his face all over the place, or would you prefer them to stay in the background and push forward the ideals of Walt Disney? No, no. I think Iger's doing it right by taking Are a you minimal public stand What standard. would Walt do? No, I'm not asking you what would Walt do. I'm saying <laughs> what would, good now? What Richard thinks about having a guy stay taking a more quieter role and pushing in front to Disney I name? Think
0: Iger's, I, don't know, I think Iger's doing it right because he's he's not about him. It's about the company. He you know brokered the Pixar deal after you know Eisner nearly destroyed it. Um, I don't. Know, I think I think if he lets if he puts Lasseter in charge or makes him the dreamer, you know, the enthusiastic dreamer and Iger's got his feet on the ground. I think the two of them can.
2: Yeah. And and only time's going to tell on that. Cause I say people already have been impatient. Lasseter has been saying this, why hasn't anything happened? I mean, you just don't pull these things out of your backside, but you know, they do have a, a depository, a huge depository of attractions that never got off the ground for one or two or three or four reasons, you know, uh, usually money, no more development on it. I mean, they could pull out things like the the Western River Expedition, uh, stuff that was developed for Westcott. There's so much, uh, you know, Disney sees that they could take off the shelf. They still have to do some development and, and finish work on it, but accelerate the process with, with stuff that shouldn't be ignored just because it wasn't approved the first time around
1: uh well, i think that goes true with just about anything on anything on there we've, we've seen lots of things uh that were put on the board for years that suddenly turned around and took a fresh look at it and said hey this would be a good idea and it became a great attraction
2: oh yeah space Mountain. space is a great example that they couldn't pull it off with the technology of the day and it sat in the back of someone's mind for a long time until it was possible
1: well, even, even uh, in, uh, Indiana Jones went through numerous different incarnations and then finally suddenly went back to part of its original incarnation. Yeah, actually like the
2: uh, the other incarnation with the thuggies and the train and the Jungle Cruise <laughs> all the, going through the, the same build, building. Yeah,
1: having Jungle Cruise <laughs> through that. Was yeah, Jungle cool. Cruise, the
2: train went through there. They had the thuggy guys. I, I like that.
1: Yeah, and you had actually two attractions there. You had the Jeep attraction and you had the roller coaster in there. Yeah, that, that was We have the Jeep, and Paris has the roller coaster. Yep, yep, they do. even even your favorite one, Big Thunder Mountain there, was originally Thunder Mesa. It was sat on the uh, drawing boards and sat in the back room for quite a while until it was kind of uh, a lot of the ideas that were created for that show got recreated going into the Thunder Mountain idea. Yeah, it's
2: (coughs) revamped quite a bit, but yeah, it's not bad. So let's make sure we covered other things (laughs) that he... (coughs) <coughs> talked about here um
1: i think we've already put everybody to sleep for uh, it i'm uh, not so that.
2: sure what they like it when we yell at each other i couldn't even tell you what he looks like i don't know that that really matters because you know like say i don't just have to people know what newness looks like or we've, we've,
1: we've already gone through that let's uh, not rehash it
2: i don't think we have so shut the hell up let's see uh <laughs>
1: Me. Hey! Oh well, here why? Why you also the future
2: that? DCA's new Main Street to Walt? Um, are they doing a good job? Could it be done better? Okay, we, I guess we kind of covered that. I so yes, Michael, hey, what were you going Medfield to say? Medfield College. Medfield College. Medfield College. Did it just come go. to you, or did you look it up?
0: No, I'd look it up. Oh, okay. Started with the absent-minded professor. He was. That was the first show the that took place at Medfield yeah. College. Then Son of Flubber. Then the three. Oh, I love ducks- the- Ily, mm-hmm. Kurt Russell, Computer War Tennis Shoes, Now You See Them, Now You Don't, Strongest Man in the
2: World. And oh, um, oh, oh, wait, wait, Cesar so...
0: Romero was the bad guy in all three of those, by the way.
2: Oh, Mr. yes, you're right. The, the other one, um, he was in the ones with... Um, Herbie. Fred McMurray. Well, not only Herbie, but he was in the uh, Flubber, the Son of Flubber with... Um, oh, sorry. Uh, Fred McMurray. Fred, thank you, Fred McMurray. Same same college name with Fred and with... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Medfield College.
2: <laughs> Medfield College. Yeah. Got to love good old okay. Medfield, huh? So. Well, you had right. a rush so, to get off the air or something, Richard? It sounded
0: yeah, like. You know, know. I'm ready to go, no, Richard. To bed now. Richard, Richard, Richard. Yeah. It's like blood in the water. If Greg sniffs that you th- <laughs> that he thinks you want to get off the and shut the recorder off, he's going to bring up something else and talk for another 15 minutes. So you gotta be more subtle about it, okay?
1: Oh, because he's an ass. What can I say?
2: Yeah, you're a <laughs> you're a whiny little girl, to Sheila. <laughs> uh, um, but come uh, on,
1: what's that? You, you stink said, like. Come on, spark. we have
2: beat the subject to death. Uh we beat it. I'm not sure to death. Um,
1: okay. yeah, it smells pretty bad. It's
2: glue. Okay, Westfest. Uh, <laughs> the discounted ticket price has been extended, I believe, right? Yeah, ooh, yeah, to the 1st. To the 1st. Now, that date absolutely cannot be extended. So don't think Correct. just because we became good guys less interested in profit and gave you a discount for the last couple of weeks of buying tickets that uh, we can extend that last day because that is the day the, the hotel needs to know uh, how many people are coming. So that will be the end if we don't sell out before then. But that's going to be the absolute end. No, no reprieve that time. So if you're still waiting for your IRS refund uh float a check charge it <laughs> go to paypal whatever you got to do get those tickets because this is a definite once in a lifetime deal for you guys here on the west coast to see yeehaw bob and the rest of us podcasters so do it
0: yes uh
2: Very good. other than we're that anything coming our... up that we need to speak no. about no 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 uh, we're still working
0: on our no we'll let the
2: uh... our contest I think looks, I sent you guys. I yeah, saw it no, looks no. finalized to me. All we got to do is uh, print them up. Okay,
0: no, it's not finalized.
2: I read and... them. They look fine to me.
0: Okay, we're halfway there then.
2: Okay. Oh, you want to double that list? Is what you're saying?
0: Yes. Okay, that's yes. Fine. All right. We'll yes. make... All right, but we're working on we're working on <laughs> the the super secret uh, mice cast uh, extra fun Bye. activity for Westfest
2: you know what we should really do is bury one answer to the question in one show, just kind of like, t- you know, talk about something and it just, Oh, Oh, oh. you know, okay.
0: <laughs> uh, if you don't listen, you don't get to win. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, right.
2: You know, most people participating probably already listen. True. Or they would not know to come participate. Yeah. Well, that'd be their problem. Oh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, Mike, and we should mention this on the air. Um, I was in the park this last Saturday to take pictures of Richard in his Cub Scout outfit and his uh, son. He Richard, you know Richard kind of reminded me of the guy at the Adventures Club, that the, the Boy Scout guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, they did a nice uh, they carried the colors and their troop flags and they were there was a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout troop, right, Richard? Right, one of each. They came down with the, right in front of the band. In fact, they had to slow them down because they were just cranking down the street. And they're like, whoa, whoa, you know, let the band catch up. Um, unfortunately, the band got to go up, you know, in their typical position around the flag retreat. But the the Boy Scouts had to stay kind of like in second class citizen smoking area over by where the, uh, the cars uh, load up uh, towards City Hall. Kind of over there they were standing with their flags. So I was a little disappointed they didn't get to get up a little closer. Uh, but, you know, they did the typical everybody come up that's of an armed services and I was wearing my Air Force hat <laughs> and I turned it backwards because I had my flash and my camera and I was taking pictures blah 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 and so I never went up there took my hat off when you know they were doing the ceremony I still haven't quite figured out you know some guys go up there and salute that are not in uniform and I you know I I still remember I was taught that you don't salute when you're not in uniform is, you...
0: Um,
2: did you look it up did you finally it, figure that out because we talked about that the last time and it,
0: it's it's waiting it's a waiting approval or it's a senate bill or a house resolution or something waiting to be approved and sent forward to be signed into law that would allow a veteran who has a cover you know uh, has a hat on to salute the colors rather than remove his hat and put it over his heart okay because one guy
2: had his hat on and he looked familiar that he had been there before like i'd seen him and there was this vietnam or vietnam uh, vet of the marines uh but he didn't have (coughs) excuse me a hat on but there was some saluting, some hand over the hearts, and I find that there's some confusion uh, to which way you do it. I've always just taken a hat off, put it over the heart, and just gone that way. But I kept taking pictures through the ceremony, blah blah blah. So after it's done and everybody, you know, they retreat the colors and escort them out of the park, the troop goes with right after them. I see Richard's counterpart and his one of his kids having the video equipment set up, and I start to walk towards them, and I hear my name. At least I thought I heard my name. I turned around. I see nobody I know, nobody waving at me. So I started going towards Richard's counterpart again. I heard uh, I heard my name again kind of softly, and I turned around. And still, I don't recognize anybody. In this. Finally, this guy says, Greg McNa- McNaughton? I'm like, yeah. And he says, hi, I'm so-and-so. <coughs> I'm so-and-so from the boards. <coughs> Right now, it would be really
0: nice you remember his
2: actual screen actually, name. It, I know, I can't. It's Brian. He's from Fort Irwin. I'm pretty sure it was Brian. I, I'm actually playing the recorded clip on uh, the Imaginary My Way show this week. Okay. And he's bought West Fest tickets, so he just got orders. And when he said that, I almost cringed. I'm like, not Iraq. Uh, he's. I didn't say anything. He's just not, I got orders to Korea. He's been there before. So we had a little chat about where he's been, and you know, I got to go nowhere when I was in the Air Force, but he, he's in the Army. He's been everywhere practically. Uh, big time fan of all of our shows, um, or I should say, all of my shows and our show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh, so it was it was odd and nice to meet somebody in the park. It doesn't happen often. He says he's been on the lookout for us for a while when he comes to the park. And I didn't have anything on me to identify me as uh, MiceCast or IMW or anything. Really? Yeah. So it was it was a nice uh, little meet. And I handed my camera to Richard's counterpart to take our picture. Okay. And she said it she wh- took it. And I didn't hear it click. And she goes, oh, it clicked. I didn't check it then. I waited to check it later. Not there. So I don't know what she pushed or thought clicked but it didn't click. So I was a little bummed on that. So hopefully he will make it to West Fest. And well, well, if he's at West we'll, Fest, we'll get do another opportunity. But his orders, I think we we're going to have him leaving earlier, but you know how orders go, and then sometimes you have some downtime where you really, you're really you not assigned here anymore and you're waiting to go there. It still may work out uh, for him to, to show up. So I, I hope he will, and uh, don't go beat up your counterpart, Richard, but I was bummed. Uh, it's not her, you know. She looked at the cameras like huge, and she goes, uh, "What do I push?" You know, so not her fault necessarily, but I was just bummed. So it it happens, though. Yeah. Uh, nice. but Hi, I'll, I'll I'll How have those it? pictures ready for you. Some of them are already on Flickr, Richard, of your troop walking. Oh, it uh, is. The, yeah. Oh. I didn't put a bunch of your mugs on there for one. I want to, I want to save your secret identity, and I don't want to scare people either. So,
0: yeah, thanks a lot.
1: That's good.
2: You're welcome. So that was a nice little, you know, meeting the the uh the rabble that is our listening audience so and there one that serves our country too
1: so that's true too. Yeah. yeah
0: that's good
2: yes voluntarily gotta remind everybody you know we do this voluntarily we're not in, you know inscripted to do it conscripted so, conscripted inscripted you know tomato tomato oh they're, <laughs> okay. they're, yeah they're not conscripted
1: and we're we're just flat out not scripted so. that's
2: that's that's a good way to put it richard so on okay. that note, I think I finally covered hey, everything I needed to say Good, tonight. good. So now then we can now s- we can shut off. Not with Richard winding down because he wants to leave, but you know. So anything, uh, Michael? Positive? Yeah, note. Anything to say, no, Michael? I'm,
0: no, I'm good. I'm ready to say goodnight.
2: I think you just did.
0: Yes. <laughs> good night to you.
2: <laughs> good night. Good.
0: St- <laughs> good night.
2: We sound like a bunch of
0: dumbasses at the end. I swear to God.
3: (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of MiceCast, your source for Disney discussion with an attitude. Even though the guys would never dream of doing any real research for the topics they discuss on the show, they do their homework when it comes to their advertisers. If you're planning a vacation to Walt Disney World, your one-stop planning headquarters is Orlando Vacation. Let the staff at Orlando Vacation, people who actually know what they're talking about, make your next Walt Disney World trip an easy one. To contact Orlando Vacation, click their link at MiceCast.com. You've heard the guys refer to Brian McDaniel's book as a source of information for their show. You can get a copy of this book for yourself. It's called Walt Disney World, The Full Report, Third Edition. It's an irreverent, funny guide to the Walt Disney World parks, filled with off-the-wall insights you'll be repeating to your friends and family, just like Greg does. Get your copy today by clicking the link at MiceCast.com. Thanks again for listening, and join us again next time.